Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler from So What's Your Story? We'd like to invite you to join us at a live event as part of Warwick Community College's Year of the Arts. Tony Russo and I will be interviewing Gina Vieira, the editor of Echoes and Visions Literary Magazine. The show starts 12.30 p.m. Monday, April 8th in the Hazel Center Cafe, and we'd love to see you there. We'd also like to take a second to remind you that you can subscribe to the podcast version of this show wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can hear any of our shows, see photos, or read the show notes at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com. That's SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com. Thanks so much for your support, and thanks for supporting DPR. Now, enjoy the show. And so I think a lot of the writers that I've met now that we started doing this publishing are people who've been waiting until they got enough money in the bank that they could sit down and write. And, uh, you know, that's great. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have Diane Pierce, author and founder of Devil's Party Press. She established the Milton Workshop in 2015 and has been teaching writing courses throughout Maryland, Delaware, and Pennsylvania. Her publishing house is founded on the mission to give older writers a chance to be published, a formula that appears to be working since her press just won seven awards from the Delaware Press Association. So welcome to the podcast, Diane. Thank you. Well, I'm delighted to have you here. We've been sort of communicating back and forth. Yeah. And we've actually featured two of your authors on the podcast, yes. Carrie Keene, and most recently we had David Dutton out. And all of both of them just had incredible things to say about you and, and your publishing uh, company, Devil's Party Press. And so I just wanted to ask, like, what made you decide, I'm going to open a publishing house? Really, David Dutton. Oh, well, that yeah. <laughs> you didn't tell us that well, he part. Was, he, was, he was a really interesting dude, so that makes sense. Yeah, really, David Dutton. Uh, when I met David Dutton, David Dutton was one of the first people to come to the writing workshop. The minute I met him, I, his writing is just compelling and smooth and it doesn't really need editing. And I don't know, it's just really engaging writing. And he's in his 70s. I'm outing him if he didn't out himself. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought his book needs to be published and I want to publish his book for him. And then I made my husband Dave figure out how we could do it. That's several things that are fascinating about that. The first, the first is that that pushed you over to make you want to do it. But the other thing is that even before you were publishing, you wanted to build this writers community, which you know there at, at on the Delaware beaches there are a couple of writers communities. But to start one on your own, that's that's kind of more sectional. Like this is more of a Milton Milton writers kind of thing. Is that is that the case? Or uh, I had only been in Milton for a year, uh -huh. so I didn't know there were any other writing groups oh, wow. out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I had been in a little writing group in Los Angeles. Uh -huh. That was me and three guys in their seventies. And I was so, I thought I really want to repeat this formula that they had because it worked so well. And um, the first people that showed up were older than me as well uh -huh. and I thought okay you know this is when people have time to write and um this month we're putting out the guy from Los Angeles writing groups we're putting out his book oh. and uh that was the other thing I wanted to do when I m was working with him at the time I thought 
Stan really needs to get his writing out there, and, and it's it's never going to happen, and it's unfair. And so, yeah. <laughs> so. And when you when you say it's never going to happen, is it? I I feel like only only because David seemed to be you know I I what I what I read of David's work was fine, but there's a lot of energy that takes like writing the book is only one tenth of the energy of getting it published, right. and then nine tenths is querying and right. finding an agent and finding a publisher and and so that is the stumbling block that I think writers hit more even than getting a good piece of work completed which is an effort unto itself yeah and it's no different than trying to get a job once you pass a certain age people don't want to hire you anymore right because they figure you're not going to be as long standing in the job as they would like right um so yeah and you i see you have some of our books there and banana seat summer which is my husband's book that was with an agent i think for eight years and that's you know rough that's a yeah. long time to wait when you're in your 70s right to have someone continue and you know you're not the only you're not he certainly wasn't that agent's only client no right and so making sure that someone's getting out there and and advocating for you is is difficult yes yeah and, and so i mean you guys are here but i see you, you always have uh, you have like email letters I, i'm on your email oh uh-huh, yeah so, I mean, you do really advocate for your authors, which is, I think, another big thing. Yeah, we're trying to. We really, it's it's not enough to be in a book, right? You want to be read, too. Right. Yeah. Because I, I have two books that no one's read. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should tell me what they are, and I will read them for you. Yeah, because, you know, Dave, when I met Dave, he was self-publishing, my husband, he was self-publishing graphic novels. Mm. And back then, we didn't have the internet like we have it now, and he had to get a distributor for his books. And the distributor used to buy a thousand of his books every time he put them out. And I used to think, a thousand? You're the luckiest person on right. earth. You know, the thousand people might read your work. And I couldn't get anybody to read mine. You know, I was really, <laughs> you know, I was really jealous. So, um, yeah, so I know that it's not enough for David Dutton to be in a book. He wants people to read it too. So. Yeah, and I think that, you know, deciding, uh, to me, I'm sort of inspired by the fact that you read David Dutton's work and then said, I'm going to become a publisher. And, you know, and that, <laughs> that leap to me seems sort of fantastic. I don't know. I mean, I'm I, like, I love Tony to death, but I mean, I wouldn't, you know, have, <laughs> I wouldn't have jumped into business for one of his novels, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I just feel like, well, you know, to say that I'm going to be a publisher and I'm going to take on all that being a publisher entails, it's marketing, it's distribution, it's, you know, the layout work and the design work to do all those things. Did you find yourself at some point waking up at 3 a.m. going, oh, my gosh, I just invented a publish. I'm, I'm now a publishing house. What have I done? Because <laughs> <laughs> no, but I find myself up at 3 a.m. editing stories for the anthologies <sighs> thinking, should we have accepted all of these? This book is getting really big right. and I'm tired. Um, but, you know, no, I, I you know. I'm a little bit of a Pollyanna, I guess. So I sort of think it's going to work out great. And it doesn't always, you know, in life. But right. I sort of enter things with that. It's going to have a Hollywood ending sort of feeling in my mind. Right. Whereas Dave thinks, you know, the house is going to burn down. And so we're good. You got to balance each right. other. Yeah. He's all doom and gloom. Well, I think it's sort <laughs> of your Pollyanna, I guess, approach maybe has worked because David Dutton's book just won first place in Delaware Press Association for a book of novel length. 
and one of your anthologies also was named the best collection of short stories by the Delaware Press, and then there were a whole host of other seconds, thirds, and honorable mentions. I think even a poem of yours won yeah. placed. I think what third place? Yeah. Um. I so was so totally excited yeah. by that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like you, you know, your your formula is working. Like what you're putting into this is certainly, you know, on the other side coming out, and people are, you know, validating, you know, what you're putting forward, which I think must be an an incredible feeling. Yeah, it is incredible. We um. Why well, had we're we're doing research, you know, trying to find out how publishing companies work. We're really kind of feeling our way in the dark. And last year, I had discovered that um, if you want to really be considered an indie indie publisher, you're supposed to put out five books a year. That's like the threshold. Mm-hmm. A year before we had only started, we put out two. So I was like, we are hitting five books this year, and all five of the books won something. So I just was like that. It's great. Like, I'm so excited, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm rambling, but... That's oh, no, okay. That's fine. Well, I also want to talk a bit, a little bit about your own, your own work and your own writing because that you have to come from a place of, I understand what it's like to be on both sides. Like, I produce several podcasts, and I know what it takes to do a podcast, which makes it a little bit easier for me to help other people do them than it is to do them myself. Although I do do them myself too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so um, talk a little bit about like your, your, your writing career and you know, what, what you were doing before you moved here and what you're continuing to do with your own writing. So I started writing in high school, I guess. Um, although I remember when I was in like third grade, getting my class to perform plays that I wrote, but I don't have much more memory than that. Um, I must have had an indulgent third grade teacher. I don't know. But <laughs> and then in college, I, I started out in theater, and then I switched over to writing, and then I got my master's in writing. And when I was getting my master's, my writing teachers really believed in me, and they told me, you have to get a master's in fine arts. It's a terminal degree. You'll get a teaching job. Life will be sweet, and you'll write all the time. It was a huge lie. <laughs> I was about to say, I've never heard it put quite like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> it was a huge lie because that had happened to them, but that by that point, everybody was in on it. But it happened game. to them in the 70s. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it was not, it never happened to me. And, and I've spent my whole life since then cobbling together adjunct jobs to try to make enough money to pay my car payment, you know, all that right. kind of stuff that we do. And so my writing went from being the primary thing to being the hobby that I did when I had time for it, mm. even though I wanted it to be my primary thing. Um, so the part that I never got to do was the submitting part because once I got out of school, I did it during school, but once I got out of school, there was no time to submit anymore because I was busy teaching, and if I could write, that was great, but I couldn't submit to places. Right. Um, it was just too hard, you know, and... I know some writers now who are either retired or they're in like little careers, maybe part-time work or something only, and they are submitting like crazy, and there's loads of online zines and stuff. There's lots of opportunity, but I'm much more from the, um, what, analog age as far as that goes, and it was the self-addressed stamped envelopes. and It was brutal. It was a lot of work, yeah. yeah. And the thing that's, 
becoming clearer to me now, especially especially as 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 I look the second half of my life in the face, is writers are supposed to be poor, so that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, at least you get to write. So at least you got to make your living as a writer, teaching, and yes, you're you're in it, and that sometimes when I'm feeling very black is what I step back and I look at. I'm like, you know what? This is, you know. No one, no one gets into this for the money and no. just as well because no. yes. you're not getting any. Yes. And it's, it's, it's a hard way to make a living, but it can be done as long as you don't want to retire or go on vacation. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I think a lot of the writers that I've met now that we started doing this publishing are people who've been waiting until they got enough money in the bank that they could sit down and write. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Would you talk, tell me a little bit about your anthologies? You've put out, I think, six maybe anthologies or seven? I have no Wait a minute, let me think. I know David Two. Dutton's been in six, or he's, he, I think he said he was in six, so it's at maybe least six. It's six. Maybe it's six. Yeah, it was three last year and two the year before, so it's actually five. Okay, five. Yeah. So how do, how do you structure that? Do, is it sort of like an open call for submission, and then you sort of decipher who you want, or is it sort of you know, you already have a, a stable of writers and you say, I want this kind of piece from you and I want this from you and you give me two poems. How do you sort of structure when you go to approach one of your anthologies? So the first anthology was a horror anthology um, and we had given ourselves in the workshop the job of, I was like, would you like to try having an assignment because I'm sort of the de facto leader and everybody was like, yeah. <laughs> and I, we threw out a couple ideas, and everybody liked horror. So we all wrote sort of horror stories, more or less creepy stories, you know. And uh, and that was the first anthology that we did. And then we did one that was a winter anthology. And then we did Equinox, which is the one that won first prize. And then Aurora. We weren't very original, I feel like, but mm -hmm. <laughs> we were like, let's hit every weird sort yeah. of season marker. Um, but with Aurora, Dave and I decided that we wanted to expand beyond the workshop because we want the writers in the workshop to be taken seriously. And if it's just a little in-house project. That's always a tough thing. There's a little like nepotism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and it's also uh, from the writer's perspective, I would worry that the writers are like, well, of course I'm going to get in. Right. And it, why try so hard? Yeah. It, 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 it takes. Well, it also takes some of the satisfaction away. Yes. Absolutely. You know, there's not the satisfaction of getting into something that you were going to be in no matter what you did. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, so Aurora was the first we opened up to other people. That was hard on the writing group. Sometimes it's hard to be the publisher and have the writing group at my house. Yeah. Oh, man, that, that's going to be a tough, tough one. Yeah, yeah. One of our writers um, that submitted to Aurora from the writing group, I didn't put it in, and I told her that I know it hurts now, but I'm saving your career because this is not a good one for you. Um, you know, and you can keep, always can be better. Yeah, you can keep working on it, and but it's not – it's doing you a disservice, and I'm not going to let you do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, we we've spoken with a couple other publishers, and I want to get your take on it. Um, do you do you charge a fee to submit? So if I'm going to publish your novel, I don't charge you anything. Right. But if you want to be in an anthology, yeah, we have a ten dollars submission. You fee. have to because otherwise you're going to well, read a people billion. People are really mean about it <laughs> <laughs> on social media, but yeah, we you know. 
the, I have had writers say to me, you're making all of your money off of me. And I'm like, yeah, that's why Dave and I have one car. Right. And yeah. <laughs> no. No. And we had talked to um, Nancy Sakadusky. Um, I guess it was maybe two years ago. And she said something that really kind of opened our eyes. And she was like, if you are, if you are going to submit to a contest or you're going to submit to something and they don't charge you a fee, then the question you should be asking yourself is, what are they going to sell me on the back end? How because are they making, their how money? are they making their money on the back end? Oh, She's like, right. so if, if you are paying someone, if you're paying to submit, that means some, you're basically paying someone to look at it, review it, think about it and weigh it and consider it versus, Oh, every, all the submissions are free, but here we're going to sell you a package of this or you have to, you know, there, there's, you know, something in the back end. A couple copies of the book. But the other thing that I think is important is that, it's a it's a fee to make sure that you're at least serious. Like if you don't, it used to be that you had to type it up, self-addressed stamped envelope, and it wasn't. I just knocked this out, talked to text on my way home in traffic, right? And now I'm going to ask you to read it. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, for ten dollars, I'm going to at least make sure it's spelled right. Yeah, and you <laughs> sent that you sent that ten dollars off in the mail, and you maybe never heard from them again. And, and that's what that's it's a different time. That yeah, when you it used to be you should never pay to submit only for that reason. Then it's probably a scam. Right. But now I think it's the opposite, where there should be at least a commitment from the author, since the author doesn't have to take the time to find you and to send you a letter with yeah. their manuscript in it, since all they have to do is shoot off a mass email to all the publishers. Right. They should have some skin in the game. A little bit. I think that's true. That's yeah. fair. Everybody should have a little skin in that's Oh, true. I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. And the other thing we're still able to do, I don't know if we'll be able to do it forever, but um, the people that we turn down, we give them feedback. We basically tell them this is what we would have. I'll bet that's going to be so hard. Like there's a day in your future where yeah. you're just going to say, thank you for your submission. It's just not right for yeah. us. Yes. <laughs> and that's going to be as hard for you as it is for them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I but, can imagine that. Yeah. But we like doing it right now. And, um, you know, we don't like turning anybody down, but we also want to put out. That's why I turned my one personal friend down. Right. You know, I, I don't want you to get something out there that you later regret. Right. Or, you know, the book. I don't know. You know, we don't want the book to suffer. We don't want you to suffer. Right. Yeah. Well, and also you can't you can't take it back. Like. As as you were saying, first of all, it reflects on you. It's like, well, they don't know better. And this is what they're publishing. And it also reflects a little bit on the author. We were like, why would you why would you want me to read this? Why do you think this is good? Yeah. You know, and. Uh, my wife and I have a, a joke and we always say Kenny Rogers has no friends. <laughs> um, and the reason is because his face is all messed up from, from all the plastic surgeries. And if I had had all those plastic surgeries, my friends would have stopped you, would have torn me apart if nothing yeah, else. Right. Yeah. They'd make me embarrassed to go outside. Yeah. And so it's, it's like, don't you have any friends who could tell you that this wasn't ready right. to yes. see the outside world? Yes. Yet? No. And I think that's true. Right. But uh, yeah, like they say, only a real friend will tell you. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. But I think it speaks to, you know, if you are starting this publishing company, you want to make sure that all of the legitimate pieces of the puzzle are together. And if you make an exception here, then you got to make an exception here. And, and it's best to just say, this is the level of work that we're going to look for and move forward in, in that vein. And I think that 
that level of diplomacy, I think, can be hard when the publish when the writing group meets in your house and yeah. then have to say, "Hey, hey, Peggy Sue, sorry, this, yeah. is, this is not this is not the one." But you know, I think that level of diplomacy, I think, speaks to the type of press that you're trying to 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 put forward here in our yeah. market. We want to be nurturing to the writers, absolutely. I do anyway. <laughs> but you also want to protect your press too. Yes, and have a and have a legit you know stand up process that's right yeah but if everybody again if everybody has a piece of it then eventually they come to understand that and that it just it's always tough when and and especially you know you walk you walk a very difficult line because it's always tough when as an author you see something in uh in in a in a collection that you submitted to and you're like uh when i why, why, how is mine worse than that? Right. That's always. Oh, yes. And I've, I've seen a couple where, and I don't take it too personal, but I don't submit to that ever, ever again. Like right. if it's like, well, this wasn't judged on its merits. It couldn't have been. Yes. Right? I mean, because once you've been published a couple, you know, whether it's good or not, or whether it's right or not. Like sometimes I'll send something off and I'll, because I don't always read the book first. And I'm like, oh, that was, that was a mistake. That was the wrong thing to send to this to this press that was yeah. dumb. But when you see something that you should have been in and then you see something that's mediocre in it, you're like, wow, well, how serious are they taking it? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I did have a kind of a, kind of a random question for you. So devil's party press, I think I read that that was sort of a play from, from play on words from John Milton and the town of Milton. Yeah. But, so, um, David Dutton, that's David Dutton's fault as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we should be a David Dutton press. Yeah. <laughs> so we were trying to think of a name for the press and we wanted something related to Milton because we met all of these great people when we moved to Milton. It's a weird little vortex, Milton. And, um, David Dutton said that John Milton was accused of being a member of the devil's party, like the Republican party, the democratic party, that sort of party. Right. And, um, yeah, it was William Blake said that, you know, he wrote so well when he wrote about demons because he was a member of the Devil's Party. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So that's why we called it that. That, that wasn't a hard thing to do. It and has given some people pause, but, you know. But it seems, but it sounds fun, though. I yeah. mean, maybe it's a little sacrilegious, yeah. but it sounds no, fun. No, it's not, it's not any worse than, I mean, worse than was probably not what I want to say. Harlequin's also a kooky thing to name your to name your press because that's that's a creepy yes it's a clown it's a weird <laughs> yeah. clown yeah yeah so it's so. A, devil's party's not worse than harlequin is no, what i'm saying no. that's no, right no, but i just I, it sounds fun you know and yeah. i like the idea that you know it's established for writers you know the mature writers writers kind of looking writers that may not be picked up in other places because that was kind of the reason why i started saltwater media was you know, we're a self-publishing house. You're a traditional publishing house, but you know, uh, you know, I sort of found myself being the poster child for self-publishing, right. and I had to self-publish my work. And you know, it kind of felt like, you know, um, I totally lost where I was going with that. That's okay. Anyway. What it, it felt like she had to hold her hand yes. all the way through. Yes, that was exactly. And so she wanted to make it so that other people could get their books published without having to figure out. They, you know, soup to nuts on right. how to publish a book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how we feel, too. And when I but when I first proposed it to the writing group, um, 
everybody in the writing group was like, Vanity Press, Vanity Press. And I was like, you know, it's different now. Yeah. And um, we don't have to wait for somebody to anoint us as being good enough to be published. Yes. And I like that. Yeah, there's something to be said for, you know, being the press or being the type of publisher that you wish you would have when you were going through it. Yeah. I wish there had been someone like me when I was going through my process because, you know, in 2007, um, nobody was, I mean, Amazon, you know, CreateSpace wasn't even out yet. So, you know, I had to kind of figure it out myself. And then so in doing so, I said, well, maybe I'll create the company I wish I had had access to. And it sounds like with you, you're like, we're going to create a publishing house that's going to cater to the people that we know need a voice. And it sounds like that's what you've really kind of worked to make here. Yeah. For all the J.K. Rowling's, you know, the one that got published, there's a million that are still in their car writing their books. Well, and what's what's (laughs) difficult. So I'm traditionally published and I've always said to Stephanie, if I do any more books, I can't imagine trying to get them traditionally published only because um i I mean i was small press right and and you and you have a small press but like for for the amount of work that i have to put in it would have been easier to spend a couple extra dollars if i have to go door to door with a suitcase of all my books anyway selling why 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 should i get 86 cents a book when i could have six dollars a book or whatever whatever works out with a smaller press yeah no i hear that Absolutely. And that's just, there's this, I think, misconception. That's the misconception of anyone who's outside of any industry. Like, I don't, you know, I have lots of misconceptions about doctors, right? I don't know what, I don't know what a doctor really does. Yeah. And people on the outside are like, well, no, you write a book and then they write you a huge check because they think your book is great and they want to take a chance on you and then you don't ever have to work again. And that's not at all. How no. it goes, you know no. what what you, what you do is you submit for years and years and years, yes. and then sometime maybe you get a book published that, you know, I I, I always brag I made four hundred and eighty seven dollars off my two books. That's last year. amazing. Yeah, That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm proud of that. That's a wonderful. A, a weekend away and an extra and an extra cocktail at dinner is yeah what, is, is what I made off my books last. Listen, year. we lived in Los Angeles for ten years, and the first five years we lived with a movie director. Like he had a little compound that he rented out and we thought this is going to be great. And it was because he was really nice and a lot of fun. But um, and we're still friends with him, but he's not publishing any of our stuff. He's not helping us get anywhere. Like it's just incredibly difficult. And people just always think you're going to get that break, but you're not necessarily. I mean, you you might get a break with the lottery as well. Best to just do your best work. Yes. And be proud of the work that you do and be be a working person. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're going to get a few people to read your book for you and hopefully more over time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so one of the one of the responsibilities that you take on as a publisher is sort of that marketing and, and pushing your clients. What are some of the things that you're doing to kind of help people like David Dutton and, you know, even, you know, your husband, David, to kind of get in front of more eyes? We do voodoo, voodoo rites in the backyard. No, <laughs> <laughs> we, um, no, it's really hard, right? It is. Yeah. We do stuff like this. Right. We, we're yeah. trying to get out there, which I'm not a hundred percent comfortable with, but I'm, you know, we're we're getting out there. We're talking to people. Um, we started sending out the newsletter. Little by little, I feel like we're building the house out of bricks, you know. Oh, and, absolutely. And each one is another brick. Um, 
But that's the other thing. I know that writers have limited income, but I think that writers need to support writers. So if you're an older writer and you are uh, want to be published and taken seriously, it wouldn't hurt you to buy your friend a, a book for Christmas instead of whatever other dumb thing you're going to buy right. them. And also, as I was saying before, when you're going to submit to someplace, you want to get a sense of the kind of things that they that they publish. Or, you know, I, I love the anthology angle for that reason, because you get a bunch of you. If I if I get a book and it's like I don't like it, well, then you don't like the whole thing. Yeah. Right. But but these these collections, you get these little samplings. And you're like, oh, that's a writer I want to keep my eye on. That's a writer I want to keep my eye yeah, on. Yeah, that's and right. And then when they bring out their novel, you'd be like, well, you know what? They, I really enjoyed that short story. I think the, I think the novel's certainly worth the, worth the chance. Yeah, and we put excerpts from our stuff on our website, and we have a couple of David Dutton actually reading the first part of his book. And so we try to give free samples as much as we can, right. you know, because we want people to have sort of an idea. Um, and we ask people, if you've read our book, review it on Amazon. We're not writing the reviews, mm. but um, so people can kind of get an idea if other people have liked it or not. Right. But even my own mother, you know, I give her the books and then she tells me that she read them. And then I say, have you given it to your friend? Oh, well, no, it's my copy. I'm like, give that copy away. <laughs> you know, we or need buy another a copy reader. for your friend. Yeah. There you go. Well, I can't charge my mother. Uh, well, there's that. <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Well, now this is the part of the show where you thank the guests. Well, Diane, thank you so much for being here and talking to us about Devil's Party Press. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, take a second and give us a great review. Tell your story.